take out your Bibles and open them up to the book of Job. If you didn't bring a Bible with you tonight, please grab one from under the seat in front of you. Job chapter 14, I believe. Yes, 14 is where we are. Just again as a little setup to where where we are as we go through the book of Job together. Job is a is a godly man, and that is something that is so important that we go back to because uh, as I've mentioned to you before, we could probably, and at sometimes maybe you might even think, wouldn't it be nice to just read the, the cliff notes for the book of Job? <laughs> because it seems like we kind of get into this repetition, and there, though there is repetition as we go through this, um, I'm amazed every week as to just the the amazing freshness of it. Even though we're going through something, it would appear repetitious. Man, there's just little jewels all the way through the word of God, as we know. But Job is a godly man. We know that not only because it's recorded for us in the very beginning of the book of Job, but from God's own mouth. It tells us in verse 8 of chapter 1, the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? For there is no one like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, fearing God and turning away from evil. It's one thing for for us to say something about ourselves like that, being blameless and upright. It's another thing for someone else to say that about us. Guys, it's on a totally different level when God says that about someone. And that does not mean that he's sinless. Job never indicates anywhere in what he's saying that he is sinless. But we know as, we've, as we read through this, God allowed Satan to do certain things to Job. Satan challenged God in that. that, he, that the only reason that, that Job is this godly man is because you bless him so much. You take away his blessings, he'll curse you. He doesn't, he doesn't love you for who you are. He doesn't honor you for who you are. It's all because of what you give him. And God allowed Satan to take away his possessions, even to take away his children, all 10 of his children killed in, in one accident. Then, then we saw that, that the Lord allowed him to touch him physically. The, the, the extent of the, the physical ailment that is on Job, we don't know other than he's covered from head to toe with boils, itching and, and so painful. It tells us that he's scraping himself with pottery to try to, to somehow bring ease to it. There's worms that are all over the store. I mean, it's just an absolutely horrible physical situation. He has three friends that we've talked about and we've looked at, Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar. They traveled a great distance to come and see him. And for the first week, once they got there, they sat there with him in the garbage dump of the city and sat silent with him, mourning with him. And Job broke the silence and cried out, you know, about the suffering that he had, and even cursing the day he was born and wishing that he had died. And then his friends start bringing their advice to him. And we talk about this as we've gone through this because we're, we're, we've seen now all three of them have brought the same thing. Job, the problem is you have unconfessed sin in your life. There is outward sin in your life that you've hidden. We, ha- we don't know what it is, but you've hidden this hidden sin that you haven't confessed. And it's because of that, God is punishing you. God is dealing with you in that way because in their, re- their reasoning for that, and we'll see it again tonight, is because that's the way God deals with guilty sinners. If you're righteous, God blesses. If you're sinner, God punishes. And that's just the way it goes. <laughs> Problem is, that's not always the case. And we saw that last time, Job responding to Zophar. In, in, if you were here last time, we talked about it. He gives uh, three examples, one being himself. But then he says, it's all over the place where, where wicked people are, get blessed. It's all over the place where we see that, 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 that righteous people suffer. There's examples of that all over the place. It's, it's, a, it's a nice blanket statement to say, but it's not true in every case. And then he even kind of took a little shot at them. He even said, you know, all, but as, as you get older, you're supposed to get wiser. And you guys are examples of where that's not always the case. And so we saw that there's a little poking going back and forth. We, we made it as far as, as chapter 14 Job is still responding to Zophar in this in this in chapter in chapter 14. We wanted to get through that last time, ran out of time, but so we pick it up there in the middle of his response there. He says, 
Man who is is born of woman is short-lived and full of turmoil. Like a flower, he comes forth and withers. He also flees like a shadow and does not remain. You know, it's interesting that 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 is that is true. The Bible speaks of that, that our our life is like a vapor, like a like a grass that that grows up and that withers quickly. And you know, when you're when you're young, when you're a teenager and in your early 20s, you're like, yeah, I have no idea what that verse means. And the older I get, the more I understand it. Anybody else agree with me on that? Right? <laughs> that it, time just goes by so quickly. But isn't it amazing how our current situation can sometimes dictate the way we look at everything? In Job's current situation, the suffering that he's going through, notice he says that it's short-lived and full of turmoil. That word turmoil describes anxiety, even even anger, um, nervousness. Again, an anxiety about everything that's going on. And based on the current situation, yeah, I'm sure his life was full of that. But remember the blessing that he had gone through and the peace that he had had before. And he'll even talk about that a little bit later on. And that is one way to look at it. You know, you've heard that, you know, life is tough and then you die. You know, I mean, it's just kind of that, that that's one way to look at it. Paul gives us another way to look at it in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Therefore, he says, verse 16, do not lose heart. But though your outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. Yeah, we're going through suffering. Yeah, we're going through difficulty. Yeah, this grass is withering on the outside. But inwardly, Christian, filled with the Holy Spirit, we're being renewed day by day. And he says this, Paul, again, as Christians, the world looks at it, you know, again, man, life is hard and then you die. Paul says, for momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. The difficulties and trials and suffering that we go through as Christians, yeah, it's difficulty, but it, it's, it's not full of anxiety and fear. No, it's full of hope because we know that even though no matter how hard it is right now compared to what awaits us, it's momentary and it's light. No matter how long it might feel that the difficulty and struggle that we're going through is now, and no matter how heavy it might be compared to what awaits us, it is just but a, a flicker, and it's light. For while, verse 18, he says, 2 Corinthians 4, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things that are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And I want to encourage anyone who is in the middle of a battle like, you know, even close to, or, you know, again, just to struggle. Sometimes we look at this, we say, man, my struggles compared to Job are nothing. Don't, that doesn't mean they're nothing. They're very real. But I want, it's easy for us in the middle of those to focus on those, to focus on the anxiety or whatever that is. And I, those verses that say, you know what? If we're focused on the, the, the momentary, if we're focused on the right now, if we're focused on what we see, the enemy can have a field day with that. We need to keep our eyes on the eternal, the things that are not seen. We walk by faith, not by sight. But Job, in the midst of this, short-lived life, full of turmoil. You Again, he's addressing God at this particular time, no longer his friends. He's addressing God directly. You also open your eyes on him and bring him into judgment with yourself. Who can make the clean out of the unclean? No one. No one except. <laughs> we know that right now, right? Remember Job in the midst of this. This, is, this goes back pre-Abraham days. We know that no one on their own can make themselves clean, right? But Jesus, the blood of the lamb, cleanses us from all unrighteousness, making us clean. Since his day, no one can make clean out of unclean. Since his days are determined, the number of his months is with you and his limits you have set so they, that he cannot pass. Turn your gaze from him so that he may rest until he fulfills his days like a hired man. And we're going to talk about this again quite a bit tonight as we move through this. But Job, 
it's easy for us to sit and say, Job, dude, come on, snap out of it. But remember, Job is in the middle of all that he's going through. And he looks at this and he's saying, God, you knew all of this. Who could get away from you? Who could get, a, get away from your control? You know our days. You, they're all numbered with you. But notice he says, turn your gaze away so that he may rest. Turn your gaze away from me, God, so that I can rest. Again, I turn your attention to someone who is dealing in a different time and a different attitude. And we see, again, we understand the true nature of God. Because remember, this is not God. This is not God dealing with Job. It's how he's feeling. That's what he's, that's what he's thinking. But we see the true heart of, jo- of God in Psalm 139. For you formed my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. Verse 16, your eyes have seen my unformed substance and in your book were all written the days that were ordained for me when as yet there was not one of them. The psalmist is agreeing with Job that all of our days are ordained. God had all of this in in a plan. But notice Job was like, turn your eyes away from me. Listen to David as he said, how precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How vast the sum of them. If I should count them, they they would outnumber the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Job is going to say at the end of the book, he's going to say, God, I knew you before I went through all of this, but now I see you. It was through all of this. We've talked about this. Job is not a book of explanation. We don't get why answers. It's a book of revelation. We get who answers, who God is. And it's through all of this that God reveals himself in great ways to Job. Ways that David saw, a man after God's own heart. And Job asks God to turn his gaze away from him so that he could rest. Guys, he won't ever turn his gaze away from us. And it's in that that we can rest. We can rest knowing that God will never turn his eyes away from us. He will never abandon us. David knew that found great comfort in that, and I hope that, that you all find great comfort in that. His eyes are always on us, always looking upon us. Verse 7, for there is hope for a tree when it is cut down that it will sprout again, and its shoots will not fail, though its roots grow old in the ground and its stump dies in the dry soil. At the scent of water it will flourish and put forth sprigs like a plant. But when man dies and lies prostrate, Man expires, and where is he? As water evaporates from the sea, a river becomes parched and dried up. So man lies down and does not rise until the heavens are no longer. He will not awake nor be aroused out of his sleep. Verse 13, oh, that you would hide me in Sheol, that you would conceal me until your wrath returns returns to you, that you would set a limit for me and remember me. If a man dies, will he live again? All the days of my struggle, I will wait, notice, until my change comes. Job is wrestling with this in his, in his soul. This idea that he, he's, he's wrestling, okay, if, if I were to die, is that the end? When man lays down, is that the end? He'd never seen a bodily resurrection before. All he'd ever known is a physical body. When it is placed into the ground, it doesn't get up again. And remember, he's been asking for that, for relief from his suffering. But as we see throughout this, he realizes that that's not the end of him somehow. He doesn't understand what it means, but somehow inside of him, he gets it that something goes on. And guys, God has placed eternity in the heart of everyone. Somehow, again, we understand that as Christians. God has revealed this to us now in his word. Again, remember, that had not been revealed to Job yet. However, in his heart, he knew. 
And God has placed that in the heart of everyone. His word tells us that in Ecclesiastes. In the heart of every man, God has placed eternity. Now, the Bible also tells us it's very clear that we can sear our conscience. We can sear that. And man, through, throughout history, has done that. They don't want to come to grips or come to the reality that they have a creator that they are accountable to. Job's prayer, again, isn't to run eternally from God. No, what he wants is a restoration of, the, of that relationship that was before. He doesn't understand what's caused all of this. He would love to have it go back to the way that it was before, and he's looking forward again until my change comes, the hope that, that is out there. But the world desensitizes itself through through this searing, this seared conscience. And you, the point of that is, if you sear something, you lose feeling. You, you lose the, the sensitivity there. God has intuitively placed it within us, though, that eternity is there. And he is longing to be freed from the suffering and looking forward to that day when it will all be made right again. And he doesn't understand it completely. Nor do we. But we, we know it's there. We know that, that we understand. We have a lot more understanding than Job did. But he's placed that within all of us. Well, verse 15, you will call and I will answer you. You will long for the work of your hands. For now you number my steps. You do not observe my sin. My transgression is sealed up in a bag and you wrap up my iniquity. But... The falling mountain crumbles away and the rocks move from its place. Water wears away stones. Its torrents wash away the dust of the earth. So you destroy man's hope. You forever overpower him and he departs. You change his appearance and, and send him away. His, son, his sons achieve honor, but he does not know it. And they become insignificant, but he does not perceive it. But his body pains him, and he mourns only for himself. Again, Job just wrestling with a lot of emotions, a lot of feelings. Many of the things that he's saying and feeling about God simply are not true. Notice he says, so you destroy man's hope. No, he is the giver of hope. The only reason Job still has any hope at all in this is because of God. And I think it's important, and we'll see this again we're, if we get to where I hope we get to tonight. Um, Job, he's riding this emotional roller coaster that just seems to go through. And I appreciate that. <laughs> I appreciate that about God's word, about we see a godly man like Job going through suffering and riding that roller coaster. Because anybody else ever been there? You, you, the highs and lows of going through suffering and difficulty and trials. One day you're like, God, I know you're there. You're, you're, you're everything. You got this all under control. I, you know, on top of the world, even in the midst of your suffering, and it could even be a few minutes later, and it's like, God, why have you abandoned me and left me all alone here? Job is going through that same thing. And is, is God upset? Does God ride the same roller coaster? <laughs> Good job, Job. You're right. Oh, you're Somehow we can feel that way, though, can't we? Again, Psalm 103, beginning in verse 8. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he removed our transgression from us. Just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Verse 14, Psalm 103. For he himself knows our frame. He is mindful that we are but dust. He knows us. He knows our frame. He knows what we're made of. He knows the struggles that are within us, and he's a compassionate, loving God. I go back to Psalm 139 that we 
that we looked at earlier. He knew all of our days before there was one of them. He knew our reaction before we had it. And he still chose to love us. That's one of the things that blows me away about Psalm 139. (laughs) Is he knew all of our days before there was one. He knew everything I was going to do, everything I was going to say, how I was going to respond. And he still chose to come and die for me. He still chose to come and give his life for me. Is God upset and disappointed at Job's reactions here? No. It breaks his heart that he's going through that. But he's a compassionate, loving God. Well, chapter 15, as I mentioned, Eliphaz spoke first in response to Job. Job responded, then Bildad Job, Zophar, Job. Now we get round two. (laughs) Eliphaz, and it's not a fair fight, right? I mean, they're tagging, tag teaming. They they get breaks. Job is the one continuing to get it. But here Eliphaz comes for round two. Then Eliphaz, the Temanite, responded, why should a wise man answer with (laughs) windy knowledge and fill himself with the east wind? Again, we, the, the interesting nuances of the language that are there. I won't go into that as much, but it's just this whole, you got, you're just full of hot air, Job. Should he argue with useless talk or with words that are not profitable? Indeed, and again, here comes the accusation again. Indeed, you do away with reverence and hinder mediation before God. You're you're, you're throwing away the holiness of God. You're hindering the fact God doesn't even listen to your prayer, Job, because you don't honor him. You don't fear him. There's sin in your life that you refuse to deal with. As we've mentioned, as we go through this, guys, there is great truth in some of the things that these men bring. Problem is, it's not true for Job. But there's great truth in what he's saying there. Isaiah 50, 59 says this, verses 1 and 2. Behold, the Lord's hand is not short that it cannot save, nor is his ear so dull that it cannot hear, but your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. It's not that he cannot hear. God can hear everything. The fact that it says that he does not hear means that he chooses because of sin in our life that has separated us from him. He chooses not to respond to the prayer that we cry out. And with rightly so. I mean, a loving father responding to a child in that way, as as parents, we understand that. If our children are being actively disobedient, We're not going to bless them and give them whatever they want and everything because out of love, there needs to be discipline. Out of love, there needs to be that if we blessed them, they would think that, okay, I can continue in this type of response, in this type of living, and everything's going to be okay. God, in the same way as a perfect, loving, heavenly father, does not respond in those times. So if there is sin in our life, that is something that as we counsel people and as we deal with our own lives. We need to continually bring that before. Is there something in my life that is sinful that I need to deal with? And I need to deal with it right now. And that is something that as godly brothers and sisters, as Galatians tells us, those, you, you who are right with God, you that are strong in your faith, come alongside those that have stumbled in love, restoring them, And if there is sin, yes, it needs to be dealt with, and they need to be held accountable. The problem, again, here in this case is this insistence that, Job, you're a wicked man, and it's sin that's the problem, and that wasn't the case with Job. Verse 5, for your guilt teaches your mouth, and you choose the language of the crafty. Your own mouth condemns you, and not I. And your own lips testify against you. You continue to defend yourself and plead and proclaim your innocence instead of repenting. That's basically what he's saying is is that, that 
your, this, this is the reason. The fact that God's not answering your prayer is because of this. And that, guys, that's not always the case either. Please hear me in that. When we pray and there's not the response that we're looking for or we feel like God isn't answering our prayer, that does not necessarily mean that there's a problem between us and God. That answer might be not yet, not now. They're not, they're, they're, they've clung to this idea that, again, we talked about this a couple of weeks back. The, the, the reason we believe, as, as we look at this, the reason they're clinging to this is because in their own mind, God is in this little box that, that they can control, that they can understand. And as long as God only punishes wicked people and only blesses good people, all I got to make sure is that I'm on the good side of that ledger. This is throwing that whole idea into turmoil. Because if Job, a godly man, is being dealt with this way, if we take God outside of that little box we have him in, that means that he could deal with me that way. And that's the, that's the issue that they're having with this. Verse 7, were you the first man to be born? Or were you brought forth before the hills? Do you hear the secret counsel of God and limit wisdom to yourself? Again, hear, just hear the sarcasm as he's bringing that. And we talked about how Job has his own way of kind of coming along with those same type of things. Although I find it interesting, if you have read ahead, if you know the book of Job, if you've read it before, studied it before, what does that sound like? Were you the first man to be born? Or were you brought forth before the hills? Do you hear the secret counsel of God? What does that sound like? Chapter 38, 39, when God says to Job, where were you when I created everything? When I did all of this? When I told the seas to stop right here? When I, when I, where were you, Job? Difference? God understood. God knew. Verse nine says, what do you know that we do not know? What do you understand that we do not? Job didn't. Job didn't understand what was going on, but God does. Problem, Eliphaz doesn't either. That's the problem with the whole council, everything that's coming with this, is he doesn't understand, yet he is coming across as though he does. Both the gray hair and the aged are among us, and again, that's, they're somehow, we're older than your father. We talked about that. All three of these guys, older than his dad, and because of that, they're claiming this, this additional wisdom that they have that he doesn't have, and obviously we know. Verse 11, are the consolations or the comfort, is the comfort of God too small for you? Even the words spoken gently with you, Job's probably saying, I'm waiting for a gentle word. I'm waiting for, for a, a loving word from any of you. Is the, is the comfort of God too small for you? Obviously, no. <laughs> Unfortunately, again, they're not bringing that. They're not bringing the comfort of God. This isn't from the heart of God as they bring this. The comfort of God, again, Paul speaks of in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For just as the sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance, so also our comfort is abundant through Christ. But if we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation, Paul goes on. The God of all comfort comforts us in all of our affliction. And so that, yes, to get us through, but not just that, so that we can then comfort those who are afflicted. We can come alongside one another. Again, they continue, verse 12, why does your heart carry you away? Why, does your, why do your eyes flash that you should turn your spirit against God and allow such words to go out of your mouth? What is man that, you should be, that he should be pure? Or, who is, or he who is born of a woman that he should be righteous? 
Behold, he, being God, puts no trust in his holy ones, in his angels, and the heavens are not pure in his sight. How much less one who is detestable and corrupt, man who drinks iniquity like water. And again, he's, putting him, he's kind of putting himself in, the, in his own boat. Job, why do you continue to plead your innocence? We're all guilty. We're all sinners. And again, Job is not denying that. He's just saying, I, there's, there's no unconfessed hidden sin in my life. I keep bringing that up because that's, that's Job's only point. He just wants to know why this is happening. Verse 17, I will tell you, listen to me. And what I have seen, I also declare because I've seen it all. What wise men have told and have not concealed from their fathers to whom alone the land was given and no alien passed among them. Again, this wise wisdom, it's been passed down generation to generation because of that. Can't be wrong. No alien passed among them. There are no aliens. Just in case you ever wonder, here's your verse. Just kidding, that's not at all what this means. It's not talking about extraterrestrials. The wicked man, and here it is. This is what we know. I've seen it all. This is what's been passed down to us. The wicked man writhes in pain all his days. And numbered are the years stored up for the ruthless. Sounds of terror are in his ears. While at peace, the destroyer comes upon him. He does not believe that he will return from darkness, and he is destined for the sword. He wanders about for food, saying, where is it? And he knows the day of darkness is at hand. Distress and anguish terrify him. They overpower him like a king ready for the attack. Because he has stretched out his hand against God and conducts himself arrogantly against the Almighty, he rushes headlong at him with his massive shield. And for he has covered his face with his fat and made his thighs heavy with flesh. He has lived in desolate cities in houses no one would inhabit, which are destined to become ruins. He will not become rich, nor will his wealth endure, and his grain will not bend down to and his grain will not bend down to the ground. He will not escape from darkness. The flame will wither his shoots, and by his breath, the breath of his mouth, he will go away. Now again, what is he saying in all of this? Job, you're a wicked man, and that's why you're being dealt with this way. And you, you, you might have thought you were going to outrun this, but you can't. And that's why God is dealing with you that way. Now, again, there is some truth in what he's saying in all of this. You know, Numbers 32, 23 says, be sure that your sin will find you out. If there is ongoing, unrepented sin in your life, be sure that it will catch up to you. That, that is an absolute biblical truth. You might think that you're getting away with it, and you might think that, man, nobody knows about this. God knows about it. God knows. And you might have everybody fooled. You've heard that said. You can fool some of the people all of the time. You can fool all of the people some of the time. Guys, you can't fool God one minute at a time. Be sure that your sin will find you out. Verse 31 let him not trust in emptiness, deceiving himself, for emptiness will be his reward. Again, deceiving himself. We've talked about the difference between lying and deceiving, being lied to and being deceived. The difference is being deceived means you believe the lie. Being, being lied to is one thing. But unless you believe it, it really doesn't have any effect on you. Being deceived means you buy it. And the worst kind of deception, self-deception. <laughs> we convince ourselves that the lie is true. And there's a lot of truth in verse 31. Let him not trust in emptiness, deceiving himself, for emptiness will be his reward. Paul writes in Galatians chapter 6, do not be deceived. God is not mocked, for whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. You can't, you can't sow green, green beans and expect grapefruit. It's not going to happen. 
You sow to the flesh, Paul says, you reap corruption. You sow to the spirit, (laughs) eternal life. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. We talked about, about rewards a little bit on Sunday. Again, the eternal rewards that are awaiting us as Christians. And, and when we walk in faith and we act in faith and we do things, again, by faith, trusting in the Lord, the, we walk in faith, we, we walk out and we do the things that God has prepared beforehand, that we would walk in them in the power of the Spirit, not, not in our own capacity, not in our flesh, not for our own gain, but again, simply because in faith, and this is what God is doing, and we're, we're simply walking that, the rewards that await us, unbelievable. So great that God doesn't even try to explain them to us in his word because we couldn't comprehend it anyway. But we can deceive ourselves. And and we can think that, again, as, as good as it could get here, that's what I'm going for. And Jesus speaks against that. In, 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 again, Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6, he talks about, be careful why you do certain things, how you do certain things, the, the actions that you do, if it's so that men will see. If you're doing something, even if it's a godly thing, but you're doing it so that men will see you and give praise, Jesus said, enjoy that, because that's the reward you're going to get for it. But if you do it in private, if you're doing it simply to bring honor and glory to God, he sees it. He'll take note. And again, to go back to the, the, the point that is being made here, again, I think it's important that we take note of it. If, there is acti- if there's sin in your life, deal with it now. Don't think that you can, you can continue to run, run on with that and get away with that. Don't wait until tomorrow. I heard a, a teaching one time that really impressed me when it came to that. It was the Moses dealing with Pharaoh and the plague of the frogs. Remember that? And the frogs were thick and they were everywhere. And it's just this picture of, you know, this, this sin. And you come to this point where you say, I, I'm done with this. I'm tired of this. And Moses asked what could possibly be the dumbest question, I think, is, that is recorded in the Bible. Pharaoh says, get rid of the frogs. Plead to God to get rid of the frogs. And Moses asked this ridiculously stupid question, when do you want them to go away? It would be a really stupid question if the answer weren't more stupid. Pharaoh said, tomorrow. Give me one more night with the frogs. But guys, that's so much what what it is so often. And when God reveals something, if God is dealing with you right now, right now, whether you're here in the sanctuary, watching online, watching it recorded, if God is dealing with you in something in your life right now that is sin, deal with it today. Not one more night with the frogs. Deal with it today. Repent. Turn to God. Turn back to God. You can have the, 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 that weight lifted off the stench, the, just the, you could have it all restored. You, can be, you might be wondering, okay, why is this? Why do I feel that there's this separation? Because God, is, God is, loves you too much to continue on and allow things to just be as normal. Deal with it tonight. Again, though, situation here, Eliphaz bringing this counsel to, as like a sledgehammer. He's not bringing it gently. He's bringing it ruthlessly. And again, that's not the issue here with Job. Verse 32, it will be accomplished before his time and his palm branch will not be green. Again, he's still talking about the wicked man here. He will drop off his unripe grape like the vine and cast off his flower like the olive tree. And the company of the godless is barren. The fire consumes the temp- tents of the corrupt. They conceive mischief and bring forth iniquity, and their mind prepares deception. Again, just hammering on Job, and it's finally like he just cuts him off mid-sentence. It says, then Job answered. It's kind of like Popeye. I've had all I can stand. I can't stand no more. I have heard many such things. Sorry, comforters are you all. You guys are horrible. You're not bringing any comfort, no blessing, no peace whatsoever. Is there no limit to windy words or what plagues you that you answer? I could speak like you too. 
If I were in your place, I could compose words against you and shake my head at you. I could, I think almost like the word but belongs there. I could strengthen you with my mouth and the solace of my lips could lessen your pain. And I think that's interesting, Job's perspective. If I were in your shoes and you were in mine, I could hammer you too. I could shake my head at you or I could bring words of comfort. I could, I could come along with you and lessen your pain. And I think Job has a unique perspective on this that even goes back to the verses we looked at in 2 Corinthians because Job's been there. If we flipped this, if you were in my shoes and I were in mine, I know what it feels like. I have empathy. And guys, if you've been through something in your life, suffering, pain, and at the time you didn't get it, God's brought you through it. And I can tell you, one of the reasons is so that you can be his comfort to somebody else. You can be this verse 11 of chapter 15 that Eliphaz wasn't, the, the comfort of God, speak, spoken gently. Look for a way that God can use you in that. I can tell you, I have been blessed in my life by people who have gone through a situation that I was currently going through. They were on the other side of it, and they were able to minister to me. And I try to look for those types of situations in my own life. And I would encourage you to do the same because God wants to use you in that way. Verse six, if I speak, my pain is not lessened. And if I hold back, what has left me? But now he has exhausted me. And again, here is the, the, He's gone through all the physical suffering. We've talked about all of this, the physical pain, the emotional, all of the stuff that he's gone through. And just again, the spiritual suffering that continues to go on. Listen to the words as this is outlined here. Job is convinced that God hates him. He is convinced that God is against him. His, His friend formerly has become his enemy. And again, it's wrong. It's wrong. It's no less real to Job, but it's wrong. But now he has exhausted me. You have laid waste all my company. You have shriveled me up. It has, become a wit- it has become a witness. And my leanness rises up against me. It testifies to my face. His anger has torn me and hunted me down. He has gnashed at me with his teeth. My adversary glares at me. They have gaped at me with their mouth. They have slapped me on the cheek with contempt. They have masked themselves against me. Notice the they, the pronoun there in verse 10. This is publicly happening. I mean, again, he's in the city dump. The whole whole city knows what's going on with Job. Remember back in chapter one, the whole region knew who he was. He was the greatest man in the whole region. People came from all over to get wisdom and help from him. And now they see this, and this is just on public display here. God hands me over to ruffians or the ungodly and tosses me into the hands of the wicked. I was at ease, but he shattered me. And he has grasped me at, by the neck and shaken me to pieces. He has also set me up as his target. His arrows surround me. Without mercy, he splits my kidneys open and pours out my gall on the ground. He breaks through me with breach after breach or wound after wound. He runs at me like a warrior. Again, his This is his view in the midst of his suffering. It's not true. It's not real. It's not not the reality, but it's Job's reality at the moment. And again, I, I appreciate the fact that God, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, saw to it to put this in here. A godly man like Job rides this roller coaster. We're going to see, again, we're going to get to an emotional high here again in a moment after hitting these depths. My, he says, I've sewn sackcloth over my skin and thrust my horn in the dust. My face is flushed from weeping and deep darkness is on my eyelids. Although there is no violence in my hands and my prayer is pure. Again, he's holding on to this. There's no violence in my hands. It's not because of sin. My prayer is still pure. Verse 18, O earth, do not cover my blood and let there be no resting place for my cry. What most believe in that is that don't, don't let 
what I'm going through just fade away, that the, the ground do not cover my blood. Remember Cain and Abel, the, the, the blood of your brother cries out, that, there, that, the, that what I'm going through would be recorded. And it's going to be interesting. He said, you're going to say that a couple other ways later. It's recorded for us. It's still here and used for us in, in our time all these years later. Verse 19 now, though. Here we go. Verse 19, he comes back. It's like he gets a glimpse and he gets this, this refreshing inside of him. Even now, behold, my witness is in heaven and my advocate is on high. Even though he just, he just said all of this about God and how he feels this, he realizes deep down within him, in his very soul, that no, God is still on his throne and he is my advocate. He's the one who can testify that, that I, what I am saying is true. My friends are my scoffers. My eye weeps to God. Oh, that a man might plead with God as a man pleads with his neighbor. For when a few years are past, I shall go the way of no return. Again, my advocate on high. We talked about this. Again, we understand that. Job Again, doesn't understand it completely. He just gets it, that it's there. Something in, within him that, that is resonating within him. And we know that advocate, that that's Jesus. He's our mediator. He is our advocate. But here, Job, looking forward to the coming Messiah, we look back, we know. Chapter 17, quickly. Again, we see this roller coaster again. As he continues to respond, my spirit is broken. My days are extinguished. The grave is ready for me. Surely mockers are with me and my eye gazes on their provocation. Lay down now a pledge for me with yourself. Who is there that will be my guarantor? For you have kept their heart from understanding. Therefore, you will not exalt them. Again, now he's, he's calling out. He says, you, God, you've kept their heart. They don't get it. And it's because you've blocked that somehow. He has this understanding there. Therefore, you will not exalt them. He who informs against friends for a share of the spoil, the eyes of his children also will, not, also will languish. But here again, he comes down, crashing back down again. But he has made my name a byword of the people. And I am one at whom men spit. This one that used to be so highly exalted, now completely humbled. And we know that the Lord, the Lord exalts the humble. Verse 7, my eye has also grown dim because of grief and all my members are as a shadow. The upright will be upheld at this. And the innocent will stir up himself against the godless. Nevertheless, the righteous will hold to his way. And he who has clean hands will grow stronger and stronger. This, again, this hope that it'll be restored someday. But then here it comes crashing down again. But come again, all of you now. For I do not find a wise man among you. My days are past. My plans are torn apart. Even the wishes of my heart. They make night into day saying, the night is near. In the presence of darkness, if I look for Sheol as my house, I make my bed in the darkness. If I call the pit, you are my father, to the worm, my mother and my sister. Where now is my hope? And who regards my hope? Will it go down with me to Sheol? Shall, it, shall we together go down into the dust? Again, he's crashing back down again here. And this is where, again, as we who know and understand hope, as we come alongside those who are grieving, man, don't you just wish you could be there with Job and, and take him and say, Job, I get it. I understand you're here, but God has not forsaken you. God has not abandoned you. This momentary light affliction is, is nothing compared to the eternal weight of glory that awaits you, Job. God is our hope. We have this hope, this anchor for our soul. We can't say that to Job, but we can come alongside one another in that. Amen? <laughs> Speaking the truth in love, used by God. And again, I, if you're in the midst of it, if you're in the throes of it, if you're in the midst of not understanding something, and I've got to finish this way every time, because guys, there's things in life that we face that we just don't understand. Some of them great tragedies. Some of them extremely heavy. And when we face those times and the things that we don't understand, we have to hold on to the hope and the things that we do understand. 
that God is a God who he is almighty, he is all-powerful, he is eternal, he is sovereign, he's in control of everything, and he loves you. He loves you so much that he sent his only son to die for you. And if he did all of that, he's not going to just let you go. He promised that he will, he will go through everything with you. And no matter how heavy and how, how unbearable it seems, he promised that he will never allow you to go through something that he won't personally walk you through to the other side. And if that other side is awake in one moment in glory, again, momentary light affliction compared to that moment. If you have sin in your life, something you're not, you haven't dealt with, God's, the Holy Spirit convicting you right now in your heart, deal with it right now. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. Lord, you are, you are the God of Job. You are the God of Abraham. You are the God of David. You are the God of Paul. You are the God the same today as then. And forever will be. Lord, we, we hold on to this hope. The eternal life that is ours. It's not something that is wishful thinking, Lord. It is the assurance that we have. And it is not something that is because we have it because we can hang on with our weak grip. No, Lord, we are gripped in your firm grip. Your word tells us that nothing can separate us from your love. Nothing. That's what I pray for those that are struggling right now. I pray for those that are in the midst of doubt, wondering, maybe even feeling and resonating with some of the words of Job, Lord, would you bring them comfort and peace right now in this moment? Again, if, that, if that's you, Lord, convicting you of something in your life you've got to deal with right now, repentance is simply turning from it and turning to God. So do that in your heart right now. Turn from that. Leave it right now, right here. And turn to God. Follow after him. Do not leave an opportunity to go back to it. You go straight forward to God. He's waiting to receive you. Give you the power over that. And Jesus, we thank you that you are faithful. Your word says, if we confess our sin, you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We hold on to that truth. Have your way in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a good rest of the week.